0: I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here. If you guys are new, we do we do love it that you guys are here. We love it that you're joining us on this Sunday, and and that uh, and that you're getting to see a little bit of of what we want to do around here with Ascent scent and and that toy drive. I mean, that toy shop that was that was so what we want to do around here, and it was it, you guys. You, you came through. You guys came through. This was as team as much a team effort as anything that we've done around here. Um, you guys. 330 kids were served this last week because of that toy drive, the toy shop. It was, it was, it was 110 families from all around, up and down the front range. The police, the police department was here throughout the week. And the the smiles on their faces through the week as they got to, to, to um, engage with all of what was happening. You guys, we gave you a challenge. We gave you a challenge, uh, uh, four weeks ago where I said, what if every person got a toy what if everybody got a toy and, and we ended up with like 1,500 toys that were around here? you guys, we counted it. We think we had right around 1,500 toys that we were able to give out this year. so it was a it was such a, a, um, a, a statement from so many of you that this is so worth it to reach out in this way. so we were all fired up about it. I want to tell you more about it today. One of my favorite stories from it. Um, can you hand me this Dennis thanks, thanks, man. This this is, this, is my, this is one of our favorite toys that we gave away. Um, here's what happened. Some of you guys couldn't go out and buy, buy toys, and so you guys gave us some cash to go do it. And one of the fringe benefits as being a pastor of the church is that I get to go out and use that cash and shop for a bunch of toys. So me and my daughter went to Walmart, and we had like $1,000 to spend on toys. And so we put like six carts full full of them, and, and then my daughter found these. In the back of Walmart, these six foot tall monkeys, and she's going, Dad, what about these? And I said, oh, those are perfect. Well, I bring them in, and, and Amanda and Amy and Dad, the people that are in charge, are going, what are you doing with those? Who's going to want a stuffed animal that's going to take over someone's bedroom? You guys, they were gone in like an hour. They were gone. People, all oh, they just go, no way. They'd stick them in their cart, and they'd put the legs up over the cart. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And so what did we do? The next day, we got another donation for more toys. So my other daughter, we went out to, to, and got four more. So we had to get them all. So you guys, this was re- it was so fun to watch all that happen. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you right here, and I'm, you're going to just watch the whole rest of the sermon. Let's, let's, there you go. Right like that. There you go. There we go. It was so fun, you guys. Um, we get we get stories that come from it. We get people that respond to this stuff. And, and we get to read it, and we get to read it to our staff, and we get to kind of just celebrate these, these, these great stories that are coming from, from what happened. And every once in a while, I go, man, we got to share with everybody because this was such a team effort that all of us need to hear some of the response that we got from people. So I've got a couple of them that I want to read to you guys. One of them is, is from a woman that actually posted this on the 80027, so I think it's totally fine for me to read this to everybody. She said this, and, and if any of you guys are... Are part of that 80027, um, it, you know, it, it's good to have some positive stuff that's coming out of that, too. And so this is a real positive one. It said this. She said, I wanted to come and give a huge thanks to the Louisville Police Department and Ascent Church. My six-year-old was nominated by his school, Louisville Elementary School, for the Christmas Crusade. That's what she's calling it. That's what Denver calls what they do with their toy drive, but ours is just the Christmas shop. It was amazing and such a blessing to help us this Christmas. We have three kiddos, 11-year-old daughter, 6-year-old son, and 23-month-old son, who are going to love these items we were able to pick out for them. We're not poor, but we only afford our home and our food and not much else. It's a rough time living in Colorado with the high rents and everything. Christmas is always a bittersweet time for us because we can only afford to have the essentials, which is enough for us, and our kids are thankful even if they only get a small gift. I was just really touched by the amazingly awesome event and so blessed to have been able to provide to be provided with some awesome gifts for the kids this year. I hope everyone who helped with this event sees this and knows that our family is so thankful. So she's writing that to all of you, to all of you that participated. Now listen, now that's one. Now listen, now listen, there's a, there's a couple more that I wanted to, there's another one that I wanted to read, okay? This one is actually from Logan Haymore. Logan is the police officer that got the toy drive started and was going with it and, and, and was, it thought it was gonna, he was going to have to stop the toy drive because they just didn't have enough resources. And then, and then he started partnering with us. And all of a sudden, he had a bunch of toys and he had to figure out what to do with them. And then we sat with him. We said, what if we started the shop instead of the, instead of the toy drive? We started a toy shop. And they loved that, the Louisville Police, Department. And this is what Logan's response was to it. So, listen to this. He said, I want to take a moment and thank everyone that had a part in keeping this program going, but better yet, to make it so much better. When I walked in on Monday and saw the toy shop and lights and heard the Christmas music, I was beyond amazed. When I took the program over nearly 10 years ago, it was in jeopardy of being canceled because it was said to be too much work and the resources were scarce. I was very disappointed and sad since I had such a wonderful experience the year before when I met Kyle, the boy I spoke of in the video. See, we did a video from, from, of Officer Haymore out there, and he's talking about bringing some of those gifts to this one kid that just wanted a baseball glove. And he started to tear up, and he said it was because of the fake Christmas trees that out here and the allergies that he had. He says... He says, I kept replaying Kyle's reaction of the moment he saw his baseball glove and ball and the image of the inside of their home that had no furniture, cold beat up hardwood floors and a lonely small Christmas tree that tried its hardest to stand tall and proud as if it knew it had a mission to bring the light of Christ and the Christmas spirit into that home. I left that, I left that home and as I drove away I made a promise to myself that I would do everything I could to keep the tradition alive even if it was for only one child. The way I envisioned how the program would be was exactly how it was carried out this year, and because of every one of you, it was was made possible. Words cannot express my gratitude for all the amazing work Ascent and its members have done. From the beginning, they opened their doors. Thank you for remembering what Christmas is truly about and for spreading the light of Christ among this incredible community, Detective Logan Haymore. You guys... We don't we don't read that to get to just to give ourselves a pat on the back. We we'll read that because man something powerful was happening. And so many people were were part of what made something powerful happen. And my question today is what is happening there? What's happening when when you go out and you buy a toy? and it's Christmas season, and you've got your budget of how much you want to spend on people, and here you are going out, and you're buying something for somebody that you'll never see, and somebody that you don't know where that exactly is going, but you're going to do that anyway, and you bring that in here, and you put that down. What is happening? Why is it that there is so much joy as you bring that in? What's going on in our hearts in, in, in that, when that's happening? What's going on in, in in a volunteer's soul and mind and heart when, when they're sitting out there for a couple of hours, and people are coming walking in to go through the shop, and and, and they're and they're they're engaging in their story, and and they're, it's a it's a and they're finding this is so enriching and it's so it's such a beautiful moment. And just and after two hours they leave and I mean time is such a precious commodity for us right now. What is happening in the life of somebody that they could come here and take two hours here and go? Oh my gosh, that was so stinking worth it! In fact, on the, one of the on the first day, I sat there and, and someone asked me, "How is it going so far?" And I just said, "I just wish the entire church could see this moment. The entire church, all of what ascent has done, that they could see this moment and see what this feels like. It's, it was just what's." Happening in that moment. What's happening in my life? I mean, I have been sicker than a dog for the last eight days. I have. Just, I mean, it's been, it's been so hard to get out of bed when your just head feels like it's about four hundred pounds, and, and it's just your head, your, 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 you know, you got this headache that's just beating like crazy, and then you come here, and all of a sudden, it's just like, it's like, I'm ready. And you're ready to bring, people are coming in and it's so fun and you're walking around and it's, it's like, man, you get this second wind, it's so great. And then I go home and it's like, and then my head gets 400 pounds again. And the next morning you come up and you do the same thing again. What in the world is happening that, that, that you, I could find that when I'm around all, those, all of what was happening? What's happening in the person that comes in here to shop? See, See, Chief Hayes, he had such a great perspective. He's the chief of police for the city of Louisville. And, and he, he had a, such a great perspective when he's here. He says, Bill, when, when the people are coming in here, they're not expecting what they're seeing. They're expecting it to be a scam. They're ex- they, they, he says they're super hesitant when they're parking their car out in this, this, this place that doesn't even have a sign out in front of it, you know. And they're, they're, they're out there and they're hesitant. They're, they're hesitant. But he, said, but he says, but something change, is changing in them. And he, see, he said, I'm seeing it right in front of my eyes. And they get out of their car and Rich Glab, a former principal of an elementary school, comes, is out there and he's greeting them. And, and he, says, he said to me later, he says, Bill, this is all I, this is what I did when I, was, when I was a principal of elementary school. I was out there greeting kids all the time. I just got to do that with these guys. And so right off the bat, they're greeted and they come in. And what's happening as they, as that, as they engage with the people at the registration table in the, in the entryway there and they start to share their story? And what happens when they come in and they sit down and they have a cookie and they, and they have a cup of cocoa or a, or a coffee and, they, and the Christmas music is happening? What's going on? What's going on when they walk into the, into the store and they see, they see these, all these gifts that aren't socks and underwear? That's what they would have expected. You guys went all out. And, they, they, and they're looking at all this stuff and they're going, wait, we, we get to have three of these per kid and a stocking stuffer? And so what's happening in all that? What's happening when they walk to the to the to the table when they get done shopping and the next thing that gets handed to them is a $25 gift card to Walmart and a $25 gift card to, to King Super's and we say and we say this is for your Christmas. Now you go get something for you. And the tears start the tears start start flowing because these, they're just going what's happening in that moment? What's happening? What's happening when they then walk over and the police department's right there and, and they're wrapping presents and their smiles on their faces, and, and then they, they finish up and they're they're walking out and 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 we're taking their stuff out to their car. And you guys, it wasn't just a, a hug of appreciation. There was something deeper that was there. In that, in that 20 minutes to a half hour, there was there was actually a relationship that was built. What's happening in that moment? See, here's what we believe is happening there. I believe that God is flat present. I believe that God is is, is, is jumping up and down going, yes, this is what it looks like. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. He's given us the, the gift of generosity. And when we start to pour that stuff out, I believe God is going, This is what my plan is. This is it. This is the kingdom of God at work. Brandon Hatmaker wrote about this. He's he's the husband of Jen Hatmaker, and he says this. He says, The kingdom of God is not the destination at the top of the ladder we climb. Rather, it's a realm that appears when we choose to engage. It's a realm that appears when we choose to engage, and it breaks through when we look beyond ourselves. It breaks through, it breaks through when we meet the needs of the people that needs need to be met. It breaks through when we take what Jesus has put in us and we live that out. The kingdom of God breaks through. That's what I want to talk a little bit more about today, okay? Last week, we're talking about, we're in this series called It's Time, and Jim and I have been talking about this is the time of the year, it's time, this Christmas season, to maybe address some of the things that we need to address. And last week, we talked about it's time to receive. It's time to finally receive the gift that God has given us through His Son, Jesus. It's time to receive His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. It's time to recognize that Jesus has wiped clean the debt It's time to recognize that He is the Savior of the world, but He's also the Savior of you and me. So, we talked about it's time to receive. Well, today we want to talk about it is time, it is flat time now to give. Now, I know some of you guys are going, man, I brought a friend today. I got the courage up to finally bring my neighbor, and here you are talking about giving. You're going to probably talk about money and tithing, and now you're nudging your friend. You're going, I'm so sorry that he's doing this today. Why couldn't Jim have preached today? You know, that's what, that's what, I'm sure that's what you're saying to him. You guys... We are going to talk about that, but we're not going to talk about just that. We're not talking about just money. We're, we're, we're not going to let you off that easy because God doesn't let us off that easy. He's going. I have given you a spirit of generosity that has to be cultivated, that has to be churned up, that has to be brought out. It has to because that's my story. And he says, and, and he's, it's far more than just if you've got money and how you're sharing it. It's t- it's it's all the ways that the Lord has gifted us and how we're giving that back. That's what we're talking about today, okay? Now, here's my goal today. My goal is I want to show you how a six-foot monkey, what it has to do with the gospel of Jesus, okay? That's our goal. By the time we are done, we want you to know what a six-foot monkey has to do with the gospel of Jesus. Father, we pray that you would speak into our lives today. We pray that you would speak into to all of the chaos and all the stuff and all the things we're thinking about. And we're, what, eight days from Christmas or nine days from Christmas. And, and some of us are so panicked that we're ready to leave the room right now to go take care of it. I pray that you would speak to us. Speak to us of, of, of what you care about and help us to step into what you have for us today. It is in your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's start with this. Let's start with a de- definition of generous, okay? It's, this is a simple definition, okay? It says, Showing a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. Generous, generosity, Showing a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. To go above and beyond what is, what is expected of us. And the reason why I want to show that is because Jesus' life was blanketed in that definition. Jesus' life was blanketed in going more than what was necessary or expected. And he kept showing it, he kept teaching it, and he kept living it. That it was something more than what was strictly necessary or expected. We see it from the very beginning. We see it in Jesus, in his birth. Remember, God chose this time and this place. After 700 years of silence, God chose this time and this place and this couple to come into this world. And then he chose this little town and this little this little house. And in the midst of that what we don't realize sometimes is that he covered that even that in generosity. But that's been missed over the next, over 2,000 years of interpreting what this story was about. I want to share a little bit about that. Watch this. Okay, so let's go to Luke chapter 2, okay? Then we're going to go right back to the very beginning. It says this. Luke, Luke was one of the people that set out to write about the life of Jesus. Luke and Mark and Matthew and John. Some of them wrote different ways. John wrote a little bit more creative and flowery. And he's, he's going, you know, God is, is light and light entered this world. And light entered the neighborhood. God entered the neighborhood. John, is if for any of you guys that are more creative, if you're gonna love reading John, because John's just like man, I get you, and so he writes about how awesome this, this overall perspective of God in this. And Luke was a doctor, and he gave us specifics, sometimes specifics that we don't really care about two thousand years from now, but he still two thousand years from when he wrote it. But he still he still give us gave us the specific stuff that was happening. Here's what he says: He says, "In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered." This was the first registration that was taken while Quinerius was governor of Syria. See right there. I don't know if 2,000 years ago, I don't know if we care that much that Quinerius was the governor of Syria. But what Luke is saying is Luke is saying that the the, the story of Jesus is grounded in the heart of history. This is not some fairy tale. This is not something that we make up this group of people in this certain time. He's saying right here in this time in the heart of history when when Quinerius was the governor of Syria... God came into this world. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was a descendant from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. When they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, Now, I'm going to stop right there. So here's how the story goes. Jesus, Mary is pregnant, and Mary and Joseph have to go because of the census that's being taken. They're in Nazareth. They have to go about three days' walk to, to Bethlehem. Now, she's, she's far along in her pregnancy, and so this is not going to be an easy walk. she doesn't. She's not walking around with an air mattress to sleep on at night. She's going to lay on the floor and on the, on the ground and on the dirt. And then she gets back up in their, on, on her donkey, and they keep on going for three days to get to Bethlehem. That's not a comfortable a ride, especially for someone that's pregnant. I mean, shoot, when Jackie was about to give birth to Ella, our firstborn, uh, when we were driving to the hospital, I thought it'd be awesome if I drove over all of the bumps that were in the middle of the road because I wanted her water to break. And I thought if I drive over the bumps, her water will break and it'll feel like Hollywood and I can speed to the, to the hospital. That was my whole thought. Jackie's not thinking those same things. She's looking at me like you. You drive over one more bump, and 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 I'm a, I, I don't know what she would have done. She would have done something for sure. So so Mary is riding on his donkey. It is not comfortable. She's she's she finally gets to Bethlehem. Joseph goes to the inn, and what is our picture? Our picture is Joseph goes up to this little primitive motel. He walks in, and the innkeeper's in there. What's your picture of the innkeeper? What's your thought? Right now, when you're thinking of the innkeeper, what's, what's he look like? My guess is he's, he's a Disney character. He looks like he's, you know he's probably you know, heavier, and he's got all his face. He's got whiskers on, and he's probably showing way too much on the backside. And he's like, he's going, there's no room in the inn. No vacancy. Go to a barn. 2,000 years later, we go to those Christmas pageants and what are the kids doing? One of them gets to be the innkeeper. No vacancy. You know, that's what they they show. This poor guy, this poor guy, he has been so misinterpreted over the years. He's looked at as the villain. He's looked at as the selfish one. But it could not be further from the truth. See, when Luke wrote this, when he said they came to an inn, the Greek word that he used was not a motel or hotel. We know that because later on he uses the word inn that was for motel or hotel. When he's talking about the Good Samaritan, when he helped the the guy up and he brings him to to the inn, that was a word for a motel or hotel type of situation. But this one he used a different word for inn, and it's more like a personal home. And in a personal, in the personal home, when you look back at first, first century Palestine, when you look back at that time in the Middle East, a personal home, a lot of times what they would have is one guest room and then a family room and then a place where their animals were at. They didn't have a big old barn in the back they had a place in their home where the animals would be. be. So they had the animals there, they had a family room here, probably some sort of little manger around in there, and a guest room. And so when he's saying the guest room is taken, because the inn is full, he's obviously with the census that's happening at the time, there's people traveling all over the place and it's full. But more than likely what happened is the innkeeper invited him into his personal space. He invited him into where his family's at. He would invited him right on in where the, where the animals, where they're sharing that space with the animals. He, he went actually just the opposite of the way we see it. He went out of his way. He went over the top. He exceeded what was expected of him. And he's saying, you're going to stay here. You're going to, I'm not going to send you out in the cold. It's going to be here. But that's more than likely where Jesus was born. And so this is actually starts, the story of Jesus starts with the generosity of the innkeeper. And then, and then, the rest of Jesus' life is blanketed with generosity. You see if what, what he says. You know, He talks about the, the, the Good Samaritan. He says, he says, you know, the two guys walked away and the Good Samaritan found him, and he brought him to that inn, to a motel. He brought him to the inn, stayed with him, paid him the next day, and said, I'm going to come back a month from now and pay you even more, whatever is left over. He goes above and beyond, and he says, and that's what I want us to do too. He talks about the parable of the of the... Uh, of the, uh, uh, the, the, the prodigal son. And he says, the prodigal son, he's going, he's going, look, the father, the guy went away. He'd squandered everything, came back. And what'd the father do? What was expected? The father would sit here and wait for him and punish him and then deal with him. What happened? The father ran after the kid. The father gave him a big embrace. The father killed the the, the calf. The father said, no, I am, I run after you. And he's going, that's my father. That's the generosity of my dad. You see the generosity in, in, in things like, like feeding the 5,000 where he fed 5,000 people with some fish and some bread. But then he, but then he had like seven donkeys left over of fish and bread. You see with the, with the wine, when he, when, he, when he changed water into wine, he didn't just change water into box wine. He changed water into the very best wine. Because Jesus went above and beyond But he went far more than just in what we saw in his miracles, far more than just what he taught. We saw it in every interaction that Jesus gave to each of those people. Back again with what Brandon Hatmaker says, he says, He says, Jesus applied who he was and what he knew by focusing his efforts and digging into the lives of others. He injected himself into their stories, often with a deliberate attempt to reposition himself. He knelt to be eye to eye with the woman caught in adultery and became her advocate. He rerouted his journey through Samaria to meet the woman at the well and spoke truth. He invited himself to dinner at Zacchaeus' house and became his friend. See, he was so ready to give more than what was expected. Instead of asking people to enter into his story, he entered into their story. He could have easily gone around Samaria and sent somebody there and said, hey, will you go get this woman? Because Jewish people did not go into Samaria. Those guys were, those were enemies. He could have gone around it. But he's going, no, I'm going to enter into her story. And I'm going go to go the, to the woman at the well. For the woman that was being, being th- the, the rocks were being thrown at her. She was being stoned to death because she was caught in adultery. And that's what you were supposed to do to someone that was caught in adultery. Jesus could have stood at a safe distance and said, I'll talk to you from here because that looks dangerous. How often do we do that? How often do we assess the situation? What's going on out there? Where's the need? And I'll respond at a safe distance. And Jesus going, no, I'm going to go above and beyond what is expected or necessary, and I'm going to walk right up to her, and I'm going to kneel down, and I'm going to extend dignity, and I'm going to look her right in the eyes, and I'm going to enter her story. Do we see the generosity in that? When Zacchaeus is in the tree, he could have just said, Zacchaeus, stop stealing other people's stuff. He was a tax collector that just kept stealing other people's things. He could have just stood there and just said it to him. But he said, come down out of the tree. In fact, we're not going to have this conversation here. Let's go to your house. In fact, why don't you invite your friends to your house? He entered into their story and went above and beyond what was expected or necessary. We're looking at that in our lives, and how many times do we have somebody enter into our story? How many times we say, well, I hope they come to our my church. That will enter into my story. And what's that look like for us to enter into their story? What's it look like for me to go, I'm going to get to know my neighbor because I want to enter into their story, not just hope that they come to church. There's something generous about that. And so Jesus does this throughout his life. And then obviously his greatest act of generosity was in his death. When he took on all of our debt, when he took on all of our sin, when he took on all of our pain, when he took on all of uh, the, the death that we were supposed to die, he died for us. When he did that, look at what, it's, look what Paul says in Romans. He says, he says, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be, and he did it by the means of Jesus Christ. And so he's, 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 he did that for us. You guys, that right there is the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus, he came and he, he, he shared all that he was during his life, and then in his greatest act of generosity, shared all that he could in his death for you and me. That's the gospel. And for many of us, we have some story that attaches us to that gospel. For me, I grew up wanting wanting nothing more than to to not disappoint the people that were around me. I didn't want to disappoint people. I I tried to be be, the best a kid I could because I didn't want to disappoint my parents. That's the way it was for me. High school, middle school, college. I didn't want to disappoint my parents. I didn't want to disappoint my teachers, so I did my very best at school. I didn't want to disappoint my coaches. And so baseball, basketball, and football, I wasn't the greatest athlete but I worked my tail off because I didn't want to disappoint my coaches. That's the way I lived my life. And I went off to college. And in college, I didn't want to disappoint my professors. I did, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to disappoint the girls that I dated. I did, but I didn't want to. But I didn't want to. And, then, and then I'm sitting in a college ministry one day. And, and Denny Ryberg standing up in front. He's our college director. And he's telling us, he's saying, he's talking about Jesus. And all I could think of, I grew up Catholic. I grew up going to church, grew up being an altar boy. And all I could think of was, I don't want to disappoint that guy either. I don't want to disappoint God. And then Pat Kelly and, and, and Jimmy Allen and, and Bruce Bailey and Jackie Sylvie at the time came to me and said, Bill... You can't disappoint him. He's already paid the price. He's already poured out far more, far more than what was ever whatever was expected of him. And he did it for us. And when you accept that, and you accept that love and you accept that forgiveness, that, that that's what you need. And so a lot of us that's the gospel. And a lot of us have attached a, a, our story to that story and we're going, "Yes, and that's that's salvation." That comes as we hear that great news of what Jesus has done for us in taking what was separated from us with God and bringing us back together with God. Man, that is the gospel. But you guys, the gospel doesn't end there. See, what happens, the great news of Jesus is he not only has done that for us for our salvation, but then he gives us his Holy Spirit that sets up shop within us. And when the Holy Spirit sets up shop within us, something happens. Something happens. We start to transform. First Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 3, says, God says, My will for you is to be sanctified, to grow more and more into Christ's likeness. That's coming through us being transformed. In Romans 12, it says, Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's God transforming us. And what happens is from the inside out, Jesus is there. This is part of the gospel, the good news. Jesus is here, and he's changing us to become more and more Christ-like. That's why when you read in Galatians of the fruit of the Spirit, you read of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, and you you read that and you just go, that's what's happening because that's the DNA of Jesus. Jesus. And it's happening in my heart. That's what's happening on the inside. So when someone says, well, I have a whole lot of, uh, of, of goodness, but I, I, I don't have a lot of self-control, and, and, and maybe he didn't give me that one, you just go, no, no, no. He's given all of that to us. We just got to discover it, because that's the DNA of Jesus that's transforming us. And the DNA of Jesus in transforming us is also Given us the spirit of generosity. It's within every one of us. And what happens is if we let that out, if we let what Jesus put in out, holy smokes, what can happen? What can happen in our lives? What's God gonna do in those moments when we let out what Jesus put in and the kingdom of God is at work? That is what Timothy calls, li- what Paul calls life that is truly life when he writes to Timothy, he says this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for this coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You guys, that's cultivating. That's churning it up. That's letting out what God has put in. And we get to see what God's doing there. But if we don't and we press it down and we make life just about me, then, man, we're never going to find what we're looking for in our life. If we make it about me and we press down all that God's done, we'll never experience what God is doing as the kingdom of God is at hand. There's a, there's a parable that Jesus tells about this. I'm going to fly through this. He says this. He says, The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do for I have no place to store my crops? Oh, this poor rich man. He's got, he's got so much. He doesn't know what to do with it all. What am I going to do? He's, he's like, what do I, I got all this stuff. What am I going to do? You guys, we can look at this rich man and go, What an idiot. But you guys, we're the same way. We're the rich man. In this world that we live in, here in the United States, we're the rich man too. When I'm looking at my own house, you know what my big deal that I'm dealing with right now is? The amount of cars that are in front of my house, because the number of my kids that are living back at my house again, and they all have their cars, and they're taking up all the spots, and then their stuff is taking up my garage, and so now my garage is filled with stuff, and I can't park my car in the garage, And I whine about that. I like my garage clean, and I can't now. You know that half the world would be going, wait, wait, your kids have cars? You know that half the world would be looking at me and going, you have a spot to park your car in your house? What? We all, come on, we can all relate to the rich man. And then he says this. He says, here's what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. I'll just build a bigger house, four-car garage. I'll build whatever I need to put all my stuff in there. And he says this, and and this is what Jesus warns us about. He says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Let me just warn you. Whenever you read that in scripture, because it's in there a few times, that's not a good thing. When you read that and you go, ooh, that sounds really good. It's not. God is not saying that's what we should be striving for. While many of us would at times, and he's warning us that we will try that. We will make it be about me. We'll press down any sort of idea of anybody else, and we'll make it be about me, and we'll say, here's my goal in life. I want to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And I will admit I am really good at each of those. I'm really good at relaxing. I'm really good at going home at the end of a church service on a Sunday, turning on the, on the football game and saying, nobody bother me. I'm relaxing. I'm good at that. I'm good at that. I'm good at eating. I'm good at eating anything, especially McDonald's. I'm good at eating, okay? I'm good. I don't know if you could say you're good at drinking. and know that that's the right thing to say. But if you put an IPA out in front of me, I'm good at drinking that. I'm good at being merry, especially when I've got 14 clubs in my bag and I'm walking down the course and it's not windy or rainy. I'm good at being merry. And sometimes we look at that and I go, man, how, could, how fun would it be if that was life? And Jesus is going, man, that's not life. That's not life. I was listening to a pastor talk about this, Chad Brugman. He's a pastor down in, in, uh, at Red Rocks Church down in Lakewood. By the way, if any of you guys have anybody that lives down south in the Denver area and they would want to go to a church and you're looking for a recommendation, send them to Red Rocks. It's a phenomenal church. But, but Chad was, was preaching on this. He was preaching on, on, on this, and, he, and he, says, he says, look, he says, if our ambition in life is easy, man, that's not, that's not inspiring, If our ambition in life is just eat, drink, be merry, eat and drink and be merry and relax, we're never going to experience what the Lord has for us. We're not going to see the kingdom of God at work if that's our ambition. Our ambition in life needs to have meaning and purpose. And what that, where that meaning and purpose will come is when we take what the Lord has put in us and we live that out, and we see the kingdom of God at hand. And we see life that is truly life. When we look outside of ourselves to to the people around us, to the needs around us, to meet the needs of the least of these, he says, then you start to really recognize, man, this is where I'm getting it. This is where life really does happen. When I start to live out the generosity that God has put in me. He said, now, how do we do this? And this is what stuck with me from what Chad was telling me. As Chad was saying, this is is great. He says, look, he says, think about it like the lottery. He says, eh, eh, we all think about at one point, what if we won the lottery? What would you do? What would you do if you won the lottery? Now, some of you guys would say, I would give it all away. Because you're in church, you're supposed to say that. As soon as you leave here, you go, no, I wouldn't. I'd keep a lot of it, and then I'd give a little bit away. No, we all think about what we do, but here's what happens sometimes. You see the stories of the people that won the lottery, and they kept it, and it became even more inwardly focused, and they didn't give any of it away, and it destroyed them. And so, so for many of us, we'd say, no, I would. I would give it away. I'd give it to somebody. And this was his point. This is what stuck with me. He says, every one of us has won the lottery with something, something in our life we have won the lottery with where you have, you have, you, you have, heard, you, God has blessed you with something, some, some gift, some, something physical, something emotional, something that he's blessed you with, that you've won the lottery with. And the question is, how are we giving that away? For me, when I look at all the things in my life and all the great blessings, I think I won the lottery with my marriage. I think I won the lottery with it. I mean, I flat did not deserve Jackie Sylvie. I did not deserve her one bit through the college years. I mean, there was one point where Jackie and I were dating and then we broke up and I, and I made out with her best friend. And then she was a bridesmaid in our wedding. I did not deserve Jackie. One bit. I mean, I was messed up. She's looking at me going, man, this guy doesn't understand. Jesus at all, this guy. I mean, she was, man, <laughs> she had to put up with so stinking much. And she has for the last 25 years. She continues to love me and miss all the stupidity that is me in my life, she continues to love me. I have won the lottery with that. And I have to ask the question, how am I giving that away? And for me and my job, I have a platform that I get to, I get to spend time with couples. And, and over the years, especially when I was doing all that college ministry, I got to do over 80 weddings so far. And with each one of those, I do premarital counsel with them. And I get to walk with each one of them and talk about where health looks like in marriage and where it doesn't and what it doesn't. And when, with the times where here's where it looks good and here's where it looks bad and here's what you can do. And I have to share this. If I've won the lottery with this, I've got to share it. What have you won the lottery with that you've got to share some of you guys have won the lottery of compassion, that you have more compassion than most people do. What's it look like to go above and beyond, to go more than what's necessary or expected in giving that compassion away? One of my mentors in my life was, a, was an IBM business manager for 30 years, and he has a gift of wisdom that God has given him, and man, is he pouring that out. He has, he has met with over 40, he has 48 college students that he has mentored over the last 30 years that he still stays in touch with. It's super hard to get on a schedule because he's always going to somebody to mentor them because he's giving away what the Lord has given him. Some of you guys have a gift of, of, of using your hands in construction and, and building stuff. And, and, and how are you generous with that? Some of you, you just, you've got it and other people don't. Uh, every year when I fix my, my sprinkler system, they just know the, the, the cuss words are going to be swearing that day. They're going to be flying that day when, Bill, when Bill's out there in the backyard working on his, his, his irrigation stuff because I don't know what I'm doing. Some of you are good with your hands that way, and how are you giving that away? Man, Rod Schneider is around here all the time. He's one of our guys in our church that is always here building something for us. You see a lot of the stuff we do around here. Man, Rod does it. Rod, build us a stage. All right. Hey, build us a platform and we can put the hot tub on. We can bat. All right. Rod has given it away all the time. And what are we talking about in staff? I can't believe how generous that man is because he just keeps going above and beyond. How are you giving it away? Some of you, it is money. Some of you have been blessed with it. How are you going above and beyond and giving it away? Some of you in here have done that, and that's why we're so far along with our, with our building. That's why we're able to do what we're doing around here, because you've given above and beyond. Some of it, that's your gift. But where else is it? You guys, I, I, um, about three weeks ago, a bunch of us went to a memorial service for a good friend of ours. That, that, died, that found out he had cancer, and a month later he died. And, and it was tragic for all of us. I think he was 56 years old. And we all went to his memorial service, and there were 1,800 people at Flatirons Church to celebrate this man's life. And when I looked at it and I looked around at the people and I saw the different sections, all I could think of is normally at memorial service, this section knows them this way. This section knows them this way. This knows this this thing about them. This one appreciates this thing about them. But what I saw is 1,800 people that they all appreciated the same thing. That Chris Willard, what he did in our lives is he had a gift of a take on life that was so fresh. He had a take on life that was so filled with joy. He had a take on life that had so much humor, so much inappropriate. Humor, and he would he would share it with everybody. Anybody he was around, he would share that with. He was a dentist. And so when you'd go get your teeth clean, and we hate going to the dentist to get our teeth. We hate going to the dentist. I'm sorry to all you dentists out there, but we hate it. We do. And when, and we would, when I'd go in to see Chris, and he'd start drilling on my teeth, and then he'd say, say some stupid, inappropriate joke, I'm like, ah, while it's doing it. The guy continued to give And give and give from the perspective he had on life and that joy. And 1,800 people celebrated a man that lived his life ridiculously generously by sharing that with everybody. What have you hit the lottery with? I've got one more. I don't talk about my twin brother very much around here, but I want to tell you something about my, my twin brother, John. John's got something that, that I have admired for as long as I've known him. It's been in the womb together. John, John, has, John looks at, at situations in life and he just always says, why not? Why not? let's just do this and it's contagious and he gets people around him he goes why not let's let's go for it you know we've got this saying around here at the church say don't how my wows when I got a wow that I want to do don't just how it to death wow it to life that's our saying around here and 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 John's one of those people that's going not only will I give you a wow but I'm going to give you the how too because why not let's do this Twenty years ago, John John is in college or man shoes longer than that now. Twenty-eight years ago, John's in college and, and he goes on a mission trip to Ensenada, Mexico for two weeks. He comes back out of there and he says, why not go back for three months over the summer? And he goes back for three months of the summer. He comes back and he says, why not when I graduate, I'll go down there for a year and I'll pick maggots out of the rice and I'll see the rats running across the room, but I'm gonna engage in these 40 kids in this orphanage in Mexico and I'm gonna, I'm gonna touch with, I'm gonna, my life and their life will coincide together. And so John goes down to Ensenada for a year, comes back here and he starts to, he, he's a teacher and then an insurance guy and while he's there, he's going, why not get my church involved with this orphanage? And he started rallying people at his church up in Washington to go down there to this orphanage. 20 years later, 700 people have gone there down there to this orphanage. Well, this last year, let me tell you this, this last year, John goes down there and sees this girl Luz in the street in Ensenada. He just happens to go by her. She was a girl that he saw 20 years ago in the orphanage. 20 years ago. And he says, Luz, how are you guys? How are you doing? And she says, I'm married. I've got a kid. And John says, how can we help you? And she says, you can't. Because I'm living in an eight by eight shack with my husband and my kid. My husband makes 80 cents an hour and there's nothing we can do. And that's our life. And John goes back to Seattle and he says, why not? Why not? He finds out that the cost of the land and the cost of the, of the house is, is about $8,000. He raises $8,000. He gets 11 people from their church and the, they go down there and they build them. It's still a tiny little house, but it is a house now. They build them this. This was two, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. You guys, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this. When he sends this man, I am in tears because Luz. And her husband and her kid gets to live in that. They put Christmas lights across the top. They went and got her a bed, and they got her a they got her a, a, a refrigerator. And John said, John said, John said that when he got back, he said the thing that he was thinking about more than anything else was the first night that Lewis would be in that in that house, and the rain would come. And he says, he says she could he, she could she gets to hear rain on the roof. And it's the first time she gets to hear rain on the roof of her house and that she's okay inside. He's got a gift of why not. He's going, let's just do this. What has the Lord blessed you with? Where have you won the lottery? And what do you need to do to say, I'm not going to hoard this myself. I'm going to give this away. And when I do, I'm going to experience the kingdom of God. I'm going to see it. I'm going to experience that joy. I'm going to experience that love. I'm going to experience that peace. And the people I give it to are going to experience it as well. I told you guys that my goal was that you would see that a six-foot monkey has something to do with the gospel of Jesus. Look at this one last letter that we received from what happened this last week. When I started this journey a year ago, I had no idea what was about to happen to us. Our life was so hard, and it was about to get harder But during this, God has brought angels into our lives that are daily reminders that he is here with us. And tonight was you all. I told my kids this Christmas wasn't going to be much. And when I put that giant stuffed monkey in the car, I cried, because of you, I get to surprise them. God said he was gonna provide me with food and shelter. But tonight he said, I'm gonna let you give your kids a Christmas in this difficult journey. They are my sweet peas. They have been through so much, but they will see God's love, that he has them, that he's there all the time. Please tell Officer Logan, thank you again. We are forever grateful. We appreciate any prayers. Now I'm not going to wrap this up in a bow. Denise responded re- wrote a few days later. She wrote that, that things are really hard with her ex-husband and some things that she flat needs prayer for. Some of you guys have hit the lottery in your understanding and your grace and your compassion around prayer and praying for other people. Would you pray for her? Would you pray for her and her situation? In fact, someone from our church built a little prayer room just on the other side of that that, that wreath right there that you could go in there if you wanted to and put in a prayer request or take out a prayer request and pray. Some of you that hit the lottery in that, that get that, will you go do that and just pray for Denise and, and the rest of the people that walk through here? Because you've hit the lottery there and you've got to share it. See, when we do, and we pull out what the Lord has put in, the kingdom of God is at work. And we see it, and people are blessed by it. And that's what God has for us. That's what He wants for every single one of us. How has, how have you hit the lottery? And how are you sharing that? Father, we pray that this during this Christmas season, you'd help each one of us to recognize where we need to give it away, where we need to, to see what we have been given. Sometimes it's hard for us to even see that, that we have actually been given something. God, help us, reveal in us what we have been given. And then God, we pray that each one of us would recognize that if we hold that in, we're not gonna get to experience it seems counterintuitive. When we give it away, we get to see it. We get to experience it. God, we pray that you'd help each one of us to take it and give it away. And Lord, even with your, with, with just your good news of your gospel, the gospel of your good news of what you've done for us, God, we pray that we'd give that away too. That We wouldn't be selfish with that news, that we would share that with as many as we possibly can God, during this season, pray that you just remind us, wake us up to what you've given to us. And God, help us to then bring that out of us to somebody else. We wanna be people that live a life, a generous life. Help us to do so, Lord. It's in your name we pray.